This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin the evening's fair with The Whistler. Now, each episode of The Whistler began with the sound of footsteps and a person whistling. The haunting signature theme tune was composed by Wilbur Hatch and featured Dorothy Roberts whistling with an orchestra. A character known only as The Whistler was the host and narrator of the tales, which focused on crime and fate. He often commented directly upon the action, taunting the characters, guilty or innocent, The stories followed a formula in which a person's criminal acts were typically undone, either by an overlooked but important detail or by the criminal's own stupidity. Bill Foreman had the title role of the Whistler for the longest period of time. Others who portrayed the Whistler at various times were Gail Gordon, Marvin Miller, announcer for the Whistler, and the Bickersons and late actor who portrayed Michael Anthony on TV's The Millionaire. Now, tonight's show is entitled Boiling Point. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. the whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Rated tops in popularity for a longer period of time than any other West Coast program in radio history. And Signal Gasoline is tops, too. Tops in quality. It takes extra quality, you know, to give you extra mileage. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. So look for the Signal Circle sign in yellow and black that identifies friendly dealer-owned Signal stations from Canada to Mexico. And now the Whistler's strange story. Boiling Point. Kelly never knew exactly when it was that he decided to kill her. Thinking it over afterwards, he realized that murder is something like a pot boiling over. The fire's underneath for a long time and nothing happens. Then all at once, the heat reaches a certain point and there it blows. And you look back in horror to find you've killed someone. The odd thing, of course, 
was that right to the end, it wasn't that he hated Janet. She had a kind of charm. She was capable. And she was attractive enough that on the right kind of a spring day with the sunlight filtering through the leaves of an oak tree, hitting her face just right, a fellow like Kelly might think he was in love with her. At least, that's how it started three years ago. Kelly? Yes? Another sandwich? Oh, no. No, thanks, Janice. I'm I'm full up. (laughs) What's happened to your appetite? I don't know. Maybe it's a symptom. Oh? Will you do something for me, Janice? What, Kelly? Tell me something, honestly. All right. I came to this town out of nowhere, really. I'm a failure. 29 years old, been fired from the greatest assortment of jobs in captivity... (laughs) I meet you at a party. From then on, everything's different. Is it, Kelly? Yeah, sure. You gave me a build-up with your boss at the Star Realty Company. He puts me on as a salesman. And suddenly, for the first time in my life, I'm a success. Why? Well, it's simple. You're a good salesman. No, that's not what I mean. What I want to know is, why did you do it for me? Oh. Now, you said you'd be honest. Oh, maybe I have this. Interest of the Star Realty Company at heart. Mm-hmm. And maybe I just like you. Come on, have another sandwich. I don't want to take them back. <laughs> All right. I want to go over the escrow papers on that Williamson deal again. Oh, no, not now. Don't you ever relax? Oh, I'm relaxed. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Come on, come on. Lean back and take your glasses off. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. <laughs> that better? Mm-hmm. You ought to take them off more often. I'm blind as a bat without them. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> you're not looking at the wolves. They're looking at you. Like you're looking at me? Oh, they better not. I don't want anybody else to look at you like this. Don't talk like that, Kelly. Not unless you really mean it. I do mean it, Janice. I'm crazy about you. Oh, I know I'm not much of a guy, and I'll never know why you bothered with me. But, Janice, I, I want to marry you. You won't be sorry I'll work hard and be a success. Oh, that's and... enough, Kelly. Oh, please. Please listen to me. I heard all I want to hear when you said you love me. Aren't you going to kiss me, darling? Just like that, Kelly. A boy, a girl, a picnic on a green knoll at the edge of town, and it's over. She's Janice Jameson now. You have a small home together, and each morning you commute to town in your jobs with a star realty company. But Janice isn't satisfied, Kelly. She talks of nothing but of the two of you in business together, Jameson and Jameson Real Estate Brokers. It would take more than you could ever save on your salaries, of course. And it was about then you began to wonder if she'd ever be satisfied. Perhaps it was then, too, that the fire began to burn under the kettle... And the temperature slowly but surely started to rise. And uh, here's a letter for Kennelly and Botsworth. Uh, gentlemen, with reference to the lease on the property at Lilliam Way and Gladstone Boulevard, we are uh, informed that the present holder Kelly. is perfectly... Huh? Oh, yes, Janice? Uh, can I speak to you for a moment? Well, I, I'm tied up. Couldn't it wait? No, please, right now. Uh, all right. Excuse me, Miss Eldridge. Now, what's it all about? Kelly, our chance has come. What are you talking about? Jameson and Jameson, remember? Oh, that. <laughs> All right, Janice. What do we use for money? Oh, look, look, it's a teletype from New York offering 40000 for the corner of 8th and Maple. 
But Knowles has an option on that corner for 30, hasn't he? Did have you mean? It expired yesterday. But shouldn't we tell Knowles, give him a chance he to... He won't be back until next Wednesday. Well, there's no way I can get in touch with him. Honest, darling, Knowles will be tickled pink when he knows we've grabbed this chance to start on our own. He's a big man more ways than one. I know, that's Listen, why I... Listen, Kelly, I, I tried my best to get Knowles to renew his option. He said that corner would never be worth anything. This means 10000 for us on a $1,500 investment. Now, you run right down to the bank and get a certified check. I'll teletype New York that Knowles no longer holds the option. I hope you know what you're doing. Oh, I do know, and I know something else, too. Hmm? In a few days, we'll have a brand new office with a nice glass door reading Jameson and Jameson. And sign that Jameson and Jameson. That's all. Jameson and Jameson. Mm -hmm. I'll have it right out. You made a slight error, Janice. What? Not Jameson and Jameson. Jameson and Stooge. Please. Kelly, let's not get into that again, Why not? Here. Why not? Let's be honest. You've got the brains. I run the errands. You set up the deals on paper. I go through the motions. Well, that's not true. This, this Brewster deal, for instance. A nice, clean little deal. I'm all set to handle it myself. Kelly, you're just being silly. There, there, were, well, there were just a few things you hadn't considered. I thought it might help if I wrote them out for you. That's all. There's something I don't think you realize yet, Angel. I'm really not a backward kid at all. Why, you act like I'm not quite right. You're wrong, Kelly. I, I think you're the best salesman in the business. Yeah. Besides, you're my husband. I love you. Now, what difference does it make which one of none, us does None, none. But why can't you give me credit for some intelligence once oh, in a while? Kelly, why, you're not my wife anymore. You're, you're a business machine. Darling, as cold as a piece of steel. You don't realize what you're saying. Sit down. I'm not through. Kelly, no. For once, you're going to listen. I'm your husband, Janice. Kelly, your business partner. Please. Not a pet spaniel you lead around please on a leash. Kelly. Oh. Janice. Janice! Oh, Janice, I'm sorry. Oh, good Lord. Yes, Mr. Jameson. This is Mr. Jameson. Get a doctor up here. Hurry. I think Mrs. Jameson had a heart attack. Looking down at her now, you have a queer sense of guilt when you realize that you've actually been wishing something like this would happen. Anything to free you, give you back your independence and self-respect. Yes, Kelly, you're sorry and ashamed. And you almost take the kettle off the fire before it reaches the boiling point. Particularly as you hear the doctor telling you it was a heart attack. That Janice will have to stay in bed and rest with a day nurse in attendance. But that's what changes it all right back again. The nurse's name is Vera, and there's something like music in the deep, cloudy blue of her eyes. Something about her voice, the youthful grace of her that sets your heart racing, makes you think that here is everything you missed in your marriage to Janet. Good morning, Vera. How's the patient? I... I just don't know, Mr. Jameson. Kelly. Mr. Jameson. <laughs> Check. She seems to think the doctor's all wrong, that it's silly to think of heart trouble at her age. Well, that's the way she is. Well, something has to be done about it. She says it's all foolish and that she's going to get up and go back to work. I know. I know. I've been over that with her several times. Well, you ought to talk to her, Mr. Jameson. Kelly. What good would it do for me to talk to her? Well, after all, you are her husband. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder. What do you mean? Oh, stupid. Kelly! Is that you? Oh, 
Yes, Janice, I'm coming. It was sweet of you to take me home, Mr. Jameson. Kelly. Why do you keep insisting that I call you Kelly? <laughs> do I? Every night you've taken me home. How long has it been now? Three weeks? Four? Twenty-three days. Oh, did you keep a record of it? Uh-huh. In the back of my head. If you want details, I can tell you what happened on every one of those days, too. You, um, you have a very good memory. It's easy when you have a reason to remember. You ought to go on the stage. Professor Jameson's memory act or something. <laughs> Well, I'd better go in now. Oh, no, 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 please. Just a minute more. I, I've got some work to do. I, I might go on another case soon and... Another case? Vera, what are you talking about? Well, I won't be on this one forever, you know. Well, Vera, it's out of the question. She, she, uh, she's a sick woman alone in the house and, 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 and... Oh, why lie about it? I think you know why I'm talking this way, Vera. Yes, I do. I love you. I'd better go in Oh, now. no, no, Vera, I... Kelly, please. Vera, darling. Kelly. I know, I know. If only you were free. To... I'll be free, Vera. I'll, I'll... What do you mean, Kelly? Huh. I don't know, Vera. I don't know. With the prologue of Boiling Point, the Signal Oil Company is bringing you another strange story by The Whistler. It was strange, Kelly. You didn't know it, but that night in the car, the last night you took Vera home, a murder was taking shape. A murder made of several things. Of your love for Vera, of Jameson and Jameson, and $20,000 in the company account. And naturally, of Janet. She'd never give you up, Kelly. You're sure of that. And the next day, as you sit alone in your office, you're wondering about alternatives. Puzzled even a little frightened by the sudden impulsive thing that popped into your head as you said goodnight to Vera. I'll be free, Vera. I'll... What do you mean, Kelly? Yes, Kelly. What did you mean? You thrust it out of your mind, try to concentrate on the stack of letters on your desk, and then just before noon... Uh, Jameson speaking. Well, Kelly, this is Mac. Oh, hi. Hi, Mac. What's on your mind? I've been trying to reach you people. I uh, may have run on to something. I'm not sure. Well, what is it? Well, I had dinner last night with one of the lawyers from Mayberry and Company. Yeah? He had a few drinks and sort of got to talking. Oh, about what? A, a property deal. It seems that Mayberry and Company are going to put up a six-story branch on the corner of 84th and Pine. What? Why, that's way out in the middle of nowhere. It's straight stuff, Kelly. I'll say you... Hey, uh, anybody else know about this? I don't think so. The whole thing's been on the QT. They they pick up that corner for a song. Wish I'd had it. Well, never mind that. Maybe the surrounding property will go for the same kind of a song. Yeah, that's what I wanted about. Why, in a year, maybe 18 months, there'll be a whole community out there. And if we had the lots, why, this, why the sky's the limit. Yeah, you think so? Oh, no doubt about it. 
Gee, I, I'm glad you called me, Mac. Yeah, well, I really wanted to talk to Janice, Kelly. If she thinks it sounds well, like... Well, uh, <clears throat> Janice isn't well, you know that. Yeah. Now, look, we'll have to move past on this, Mac. I'll well, tell you what we'll do. Wait a minute, Kelly. Not that fast. It's a $40,000 investment. I'm not going ahead until we have our opinion. What's the matter with you? I'm running the office now. Maybe, maybe not. This is a big thing. Kelly. I realize that, Mac. You're lucky to have someone like Janice to turn to. Yeah, but Mac, I... Listen, either talk it over with her or count me out, Kelly. I have a lot of faith. Uh, skip it. I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. Okay, I'll be waiting. Oh, Janice. Janice! What does he take me for? I'll go ahead with it alone if he doesn't want to... What? Janice! Surprise. Am I interrupting something big? Well, uh, never mind that. What are you doing here? I, I thought that... Uh... I belonged in bed. I know, Dr. Allen thought the same thing. But today he had to admit it was all brought on by strain, overwork. The rest did it. I'm fit as a fiddle. Yeah, but, 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 I'm uh... back on the job, that's all. Aren't you glad, darling? Why, of course, naturally. But um, what about uh, Vera? What about Vera? Well, I dismissed her. Is that what you mean? Well, do you think it was the wise thing to do? Don't you? Anyhow, now I'm well. I certainly don't need a nurse. Well, tell me, what are you so excited about? Who are you talking to? Oh, it wasn't anything. Oh, now don't tell me that. You're bursting with it. Come on, come on. You've had a hot tip. Well, tell me about it, darling. Who's buying what from who, and who thinks we ought to be in on it? Uh, I tell you, it's nothing, Janice. I, I... All right. It was Mac. Oh? Yeah, listen. Mayberry and company are building at 84th and Pine. We've got a chance to buy the surrounding lots. And you're all for it. Well, uh, who wouldn't be? Me. What? Well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the biggest thing that's ever hit this office. <laughs> it sure is, and it could knock us flat. No, we're not going into it without examining but it. But there girl. isn't time. Then it isn't a deal. Isn't a deal. Janice, do you realize what you're saying? So, if we can't look before we leap, it's not for us, Kelly. I suppose Mac has it wrong. Uh, what if they don't build? Then we're left with a row of weed-covered lots that'll never be worth a thing. Yeah, but if they do build... It's a mighty big if. Now, where did Mac hear about it? Oh, one of their lawyers. He had dinner with them. The guy was the guy started talking. Why? What do you mean, why? He had some drinks, that's why. Are you sure? How well does Mac know? Oh, for the love of... How do we know it wasn't a setup to get all of us worrying about the 84th Street section while they quietly buy up things... Somewhere else in town. Janice, Janice, you have to take chances sometimes. I'm sure you do. I've taken plenty of chances. But not with every cent we've got. But we might make enough to pull out to forget the whole business. Is that what you want to do, Kelly? What do you mean? Why don't you say what's on your mind? That you're as suspicious of me as you are of every one of your deals. It's Kelly. the truth, Janice. Oh, you're wrong, darling. I've always trusted you. Even while I was ill. If you think I'm suspicious of you... There must be reason. Maybe there is. No, you don't mean that. Listen, Kelly. It was two years ago today we bought the cabin. Do you remember? Yes, yes, and we've been up there once since. Let's go once more, Kelly, right now, right away. Oh, but what about the Mayberry deal? Mac is waiting to Let's hear from us. Let's forget that. At least till we get back from the cabin. Maybe we can think more clearly up there. And when we come back, we, we may feel differently about a lot of things. I don't know, I don't know. I'm supposed to drive out to the Paxtons tomorrow. They want an appraisal on the ranch. Maybe... Maybe some other time, Janice. You can go by the Paxtons, too. From their place, you can come up the back road to the cabin. What? I'll drive up the main road and meet you there tomorrow afternoon. What time? Two o'clock, Kelly. All right, Janice. Two o'clock at the cabin. I'll be waiting for you. At 
At the moment you agree to meet Janice, the kettle is beginning to boil, isn't it, Kelly? The first tiny bubbles are rising dangerously close to the rim, threatening to pour over, and there's no way to stop them. It's the same the next day as you drive up to the cabin. Grinding up the narrow mountain road, you admit to yourself that the Paxton Ranch was just an excuse, that you weren't even thinking of keeping your appointment there. You were thinking of an old wooden bridge, a bridge over a 200-foot drop straight down, a bridge that Janice would have to cross to reach the cabin. What you have to do is simple. A few bolts removed from the right places and the bridge is ready. It's loosened ancient support, certain to give way under the weight of the next car to cross. You stand at the brink for a moment looking down, then walk back to the cabin. Approaching the porch, you stop suddenly, staring. Mac's car is there, parked next to yours. You move forward stiffly, slowly, wondering if Mac saw you at the bridge. At the door, you take a deep breath and brace yourself before going inside. Well, decided to come back, huh? Oh, hello, Mac. Didn't think it'd be long. You mean you saw me when you drove up? No, just saw that good scotch on the table. Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, was just out back checking the wood supply. Say, what brings you up here, Mac? I should think you'd be in town hard after that deal. The town end of it's okay, Kelly, under control. All I need is your signature. What? Tried to catch you at the Paxton place, but you didn't show, so I figured you decided to skip it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I thought I could keep. Sure, but the Mayberry thing can't. Here, sign this thing and I'll be on my way. Oh, Mac, I I meant to get back to you. I I talked to Janice and uh, she isn't interested. Well, that's not what she told me. What? You talked to her? This morning. She was worried about my tip, but that lawyer's a good friend of mine. She's convinced. And she signed already? Uh-huh. Now you, okay? Well, sure, okay. Certainly, give me the pen. Right here? Yeah, that's it. Well, well there you are. Yeah. And now, now you better get back. We don't want any slip-ups, huh? You uh, <clears throat> came up the back road, didn't you? Yeah, but I'll go back by the front road. It's fast. Oh, uh, I don't think so, Mac. I take the other way. Uh, no, no, I'm in a hurry. But, um, um, but what? Look, Mac, look, do me a favor before you go, will you, fella? Run over these papers on the Paxton property. Uh, see if you think my ideas are right. Gosh, I don't know. Didn't Janice go over? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But Paxton's a pretty tough guy to handle, and I'll need all the ideas I can get. And uh, look it over, will you? I'll be right back. You're trembling as you go out of the door, aren't you, Kelly? Because everything is ruined if you can't talk Mac out of driving down the front road and over the bridge. You've got to stop him, or keep him from leaving at all. You wanted to get rid of him, wanted to tell your own story of the accident. But now you have to settle for the next best thing. If only you can keep him here, if there's something you can do. You glance at his car parked next to yours, hurry over to it, lift the hood. It won't take a minute to fix it so the car won't start. You just get the hood down again as Mac comes out of the cabin waving the papers. Hey, these look fine to me, Kelly. I'd say you'd covered all the angles. Oh, you, uh, you think so? As far as I can see. Here, I, I better be on my way. Can't let any grass grow under our feet on this one. Yeah, I, uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. What? Oh, well, what's the matter with this thing? I'm sure it's got gas. Well, maybe there's um, a vapor lock in the gas line. Oh, no, she ought to start. I'd better have a look. Hey, listen, Mac. Huh? Listen, that sounds like a car coming up the front road. Oh, it is a car. Well, that settles it. I gotta wait a little while now. 
One-way road, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right, Mac. You just have to wait. I guess it's Janice. She's uh, meeting me here this afternoon. Supposed to get here about two. Oh, that reminds me, Kelly. I forgot to talk. Hey, Matt. Huh? Mac, that, that's not Janice's car. No, it isn't, is it? Here, Kelly, I, I meant to give you this. Hey, Mac! Mac, that's Vera's car. Okay, so it's Vera. Maybe this... Come on, come on. We've got to stop her, Mac. She'll go through the bridge. What are you talking about? It's a trap. I thought Janice would be driving up, and I weakened the supports. You planned that? Yes, Janice? yes. Help me, Mac. Help me. Vera! Vera! No! No! Yes, Kelly, it was strange, wasn't it? The way it sneaked up on you. The way the temperature rose slowly, quietly to the boiling point. Now with the temperature back at zero, Vera lies dead in the wreckage at the bottom of the gorge beneath the bridge. The bridge whose supports you'd hacked away to trap Janice, your wife, so you'd be free to marry Vera. And as you stare down in fascinated horror, the words of Mac begin to penetrate the cloud of fog surrounding your brain. You hadn't been so insistent on my going over those Paxton papers, this might not have happened. Paxton papers? That's right. I had a note for you from Janice. Janice? Yeah, she decided not to come and asked me to deliver this when I got here. Every time I try to tell you about it, you interrupted me. Here, you'd better read it while I phone the police. The police? Oh, wait a minute, man. I can't wait, Kelly. I've got to report a murder. Better take a look at Janice's note. Yes. I guess I had my... Why not? Dear Kelly, I decided not to meet you at the cabin. For a long time, I felt you no longer loved me. Now I'm sure. I had it out with Vera after you left yesterday. At first, she denied everything then admitted the two of you were in love. I was tempted to tell her she couldn't have you. Then I realized you weren't worth the fight. So I'm going to Reno, and you'll be free. I have an idea Vera will join you at the cabin. She's your kind, Kelly. I hope you both will be happy. Janet. Whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, each Wednesday night at this same time, brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal gasoline and motor oil, and fine quality automotive accessories. Signal has asked me to remind you, to get the most driving pleasure, drive at sensible speed, be courteous, and obey traffic regulations. It may save a life, possibly your own. (laughs) 
Featured in tonight's story were Wally Mayer and Betty Lou Gerson. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen, with story by Joe Pagano, and music by Wilbur Hatch, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Next Wednesday, for a full hour of mystery over most of these stations, tune in a half hour earlier. Enjoy The Saint, as well as The Whistler. Marvin Miller speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Duffy's Tavern. The program often featured celebrity guest stars, but always hooked them around the misadventures and get-rich-quick schemes and romantic missteps of the title establishment's metaphor-mixing manager, Archie, portrayed by Ed Gardner, the writer-actor who co-created the series. Gardner had performed the character of Archie, talking about Duffy's Tavern, in the early 1940s. He had worked as a director, writer, and producer for a radio program, and in 1941, he created a character for This Is New York, a program that he was producing. The character, which Gardner played, became Archie of Duffy's Tavern. And in the familiar opening, when Irish Eyes Are Smiling, performed either solo or on an old-sounding piano by or by a large orchestra, is interrupted by the ring of a telephone and Gardner's New Yorkese accent as he answers... Hello, Duffy's Tavern, whether you like treat the meat. And Archie, the manager speaking, Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. So no uh, owner, Duffy, was never heard nor seen, either on the radio program or the 1945 film adaptation of the short-lived 1954 TV series. Well, tonight's title certainly describes the action that regularly takes place at the tavern. Duffy buys a surplus helicopter. Black Milwaukee's finest beer brings you transcribed Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where do you eat meat to eat and drink Black's beer? Archie, your man just speaking, Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. What's cooking? Huh? Nothing. <laughs> the chef just quit. <laughs> uh, no, the hours was okay, and the pay was okay. <laughs> it was his cooking. <laughs> he couldn't stand it. <laughs> what do our customers do if we don't serve some food? Do the same as when we serve food. <laughs> They'll eat someplace else. <laughs> Besides, there's only a few customers in the joint. Well, Herbie the Midget's here. Yeah, just got out of the hospital. Poor little guy. Spent two whole weeks in an oxygen symbol. <laughs> what was his trouble? Uh, he had uh, kidney pebbles. <laughs> and guess who else is back from the hospital? Sailor Slavinsky. Well, you remember that $100 bill he had tattooed on his chest? He was robbed. <laughs> huh? No, just a flesh wound. <laughs> but the joke was on the crook. <laughs> the tattoo was counterfeit. <laughs> uh, hey, that reminds me, Slippery McGuire's coming down tonight. Huh? 
You saw because he saw you that vanishing cream from Mrs. Duffy? But Duffy, he didn't guarantee to make a vanish permanent. Okay, so he's a phony. But he's my pal. And I will book no insults on his behalf. Good day, sir. Eddie. Yes, Mr. Archie? Eddie, Slippery McGuire's coming down here tonight, so leave us lay out the welcome mat for him, huh? We can't do it. Why not? He swiped it the last time he was here. <laughs> well, that's all in the past, Eddie. Slippery's gone straight. After all, a leopard can change his spots, can he? Well, if he does, it'll be for stripes. <laughs> mm. Just a second. I'll have you know that Slippery McGuire and me has been pals ever since our school days. Hmm. We were been... pals. Every time that crook comes down here, he swindles you out of your money, and you wind up calling him a dirty, thieving crook. Well, that's true friendship. <laughs> guy must think an awful lot of me to put up with it. <laughs> you know, Slippery McGuire and me has been pals ever since our school days. We was in PS4 together. Is that so? Yeah, he was even treasurer of our graduating class. You mean you graduated with Slippery? Uh, Miss Duffy, yes. As a matter of fact, there was no graduation that year. The cap and gown money disappeared. <laughs> he started kind of young, didn't he? Yeah, and it was quite a blow to Slippery's father, one of the finest men I've ever met. But it wasn't his fault he couldn't guide Slippery in the right direction. How come? He could only see him on visiting day. <laughs> a tip off the old cell block, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about his mother? Mrs. McGuire, sweet old lady, but she could never learn to refuse Slippery nothing. You know, she spoiled him. He'd come in and say, Mom, I need a $5 bill. She'd go right down the cellar and print one. <laughs> yeah, it was like that till the day they... The day they shaved her leg. <laughs> yeah? Poor Slip has been through plenty. He's been through you a few times. <laughs> Maybe so, but Slip has put his past behind him. He's now in a legitimate business selling war surplus. Like what? Oh, pistols, uh, shoes, flashlights, uh, refrigerators. Refrigerators? War surplus? The Cold War. (laughs) You know, Eddie, I'd like to throw some business slippery's way. You might think I'm going hog wild, but you know what I'm going to buy? For what? An airplane. An airplane? Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to fly Well, have you ever considered a kite? (laughs) Don't belittle me, Eddie You know, he's always getting rid of second-hand planes And maybe Slippery can get me one Imagine me own airplane A B-29 or a BBX, you know Flying up there in the clouds I I wonder what it's like (laughs) You an aviator What's so funny? How will you get dizzy when you eat a three-decker sandwich? <laughs> I bet even I could fly better than you. You could fly. Miss Duffy, I'm talking about airplanes. <laughs> Not Halloween night on a broom. Listen, it so happens that the best pilots in history have been women. Oh, yeah? Name one. Cobina Wright. 
<laughs> Sabrina Wright, a, a pilot? Only the most important of the Wright brothers. Well, okay, him. But, uh... <clears throat> but that's just one. Don't try to tell me nothing about aviation. You talk to Archie the Ace. I got air in me veins. Oh, yeah? Then how come you black out every time you lick an airmail stamp? <laughs> Besides, what kind of a junky crate is Slippery McGuire going to palm off on you, Archie? It ain't no junk. It's a genuine army surplus. I know. That crook sold Mama a surplus girdle that split the first time she wore it. Well, don't blame the girdle just because your old lady has too much surplus. Archie, why do you always have to say such nasty things behind Mama's back? Well, it offers such a broad field of operation. Oh, you, you never have a good word for anybody. On the contrary, I have five good words for you. Hit the road. That's only three. <laughs> The rest ain't hard to figure. Ah, uh, make a noise like a hoop and roll away. <laughs> Say, Mr. Archie. What is it, Eddie? Your friend Slippery McGuire is here. How do you know? I just reached into my pocket and found myself shaking hands with him. <laughs> Wait, Daddy, quiet, you embarrass me. Well, Archie, my old pal. Well, Slippery, my old buddy. My old schoolmate. My old sidekick. The next voice you hear will be that of the old prosecuting attorney. Daddy, <laughs> cut out the rejoinders. Well, Slip, it's great to see you. I guess you've been working hard. Well, uh, not too hard, Arch. I like to take things easy. <laughs> Yeah, you do it that, and yet you're a success. How do you do it, Slip? What's your point? Ah, very simple, Arch. Hear no evil, speak no evil, and keep moving. <laughs> Still the same old Slip. <laughs> you know, I missed you lately. You must have been away, huh? Oh, only for 30 days. <laughs> what was you doing? 30 days. I mean, uh, uh, I've been uh, putting in some time for the government. You know, uh... Working on this surplus army stuff. Oh, yeah. I've been yeah. meaning to ask you, Slip. Ain't it a little late to be selling army surplus? Arch, come in. This is surplus army surplus. <laughs> You're right on the ball, ain't you? Oh, sure, Arch. I'm only selling things that people can use in practical everyday life. Yeah, practical everyday life? Yeah. Like yeah. what? Well, right. like uh, landing barges... Steam shovels, Quonset huts, anchors, rip cords, parachutes. Just a second. What's practical about a rip cord? What else are you selling? Well, uh, let's put it this way, Arch. What do you need? Well, I don't really need nothing, but I was kind of toying with the idea. Go ahead, tell your old pal. Not too upset. What is it, Arch? I was thinking of an airplane. 
a fighter or a bomber? Clint, you mean there's a chance? Look, Arch, uh, how much have you got to spend? Well, not very much, just 14 bucks. 14 bucks? For that, I wouldn't sell a plane to my own brother. Mm, well, that's all I got. Brother, you bought yourself a plane. <laughs> of course, uh, for that price, it won't be a four-motor job. No, four motors. No. Uh, well, how about one of them, uh, some, uh, helium copters? Oh, well, that's a cinch. Just give me the 14 bucks and I'll go get it out of stock before somebody else grabs it. Okay, hey, I slipped good luck and happy landing. Roger. <laughs> Wilco. <laughs> I'm just taking to it like a duck to water. <laughs> See you later, you ace you. <laughs> so long, Flip. Oh, boy. Hey, Eddie. Yeah? And guess what? Flip is going to get me one of them helium copters. A what? One of them airplanes you can land on a dime. Three to one that Slippery don't leave you a dime to land it on. <laughs> oh, no. Eddie, Eddie, I can see myself right now. Hmm? Me hand froze to the controls. Coming in for a graceful crash landing. All of a sudden, I get a flash on the radio. Stand by for ceiling zero. Lord. Oh, hello, Finnegan. Hey, Finnegan, maybe you'd be interested in my new project. Uh, do you like flying? No, not me. Why not? My arms get tired. <laughs> What I mean is, Slippery McGuire was just here, and he's in the Army surplus business. Uh, Arch, you out of his mind. Why? Who's going to buy a surplus army? <laughs> uh, hey, did, did you buy anything from him? Yeah, I bought airplanes. No fooling. What kind? Well, uh, you know what a helium copter is? Sure, a guy who cops helium. Well, not exactly. No? It's an airplane. Oh, oh. It's terrific. It can go straight up in the air, straight down, sideways, frontwards, backwards, you know, ambidextrous. <laughs> and in fact, it can do everything that a bird can do. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'd like to see it either one. I think you've got a nice, clean air pocket where your head should be. Uh, thanks, Arch. I've always considered myself air miner. Uh, so have I. <laughs> but uh, there's only one thing I can't understand. What's that? Uh, what holds an airplane up in the air? Well, uh, that's, uh, that's the thing I'll have to explain to you. You know, yeah. it's uh, one of the basic laws of physics. Yeah. For instance, you take air, that's uh, H2O. <laughs> it's much heavier than water. Now, on the other hand, uh, metal is a conductor which conducts the oxygen through the hydrogen, uh, which creates a vacuum which gives us gravity. <laughs> which, in turn, naturally pulls the plane up into the air. Is it clear so far? Arch, what am I, a dope? 
No, but even I had a little trouble with it at first. <laughs> well, uh, to go on, uh, you see, we take the stratosphere. Uh, what's your... Well, it's what it sounds like. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fear of high places. <laughs> now, in order to fly a straight line, the navigator checks the ground speed against the plane speed, which is, shall we assume, uh, 200 Fahrenheit an hour? Oh, that sounds like a lot of Fahrenheit. Well, don't forget, we've come a long way since the days when we had to land a plane by hand. <laughs> Today we have automatic horsepower, frequency modulation, wing spreads as high as uh, 39 RPM, <laughs> automatic tail fins uh, in case the rudder goes on the blank. Uh, you know what used to happen in the old days when the rudder went on the blank? The car didn't give no milk. Are you sure this whole conversation ain't been too mechanical for you? <laughs> no, not at all. By the way, how chances for a job on your point? Well, I don't know. You think you're right for the air? As right as I am for the land. <laughs> oh, come on now. Give me a break. I could help run your aeroplane. You know, my Uncle Pierre was a famous flyer. Your Uncle Pierre? Well, yeah. He was the first guy to try to cross the channel in a balloon. And Arch, guess what he used for ballast? What? A case of black beer. Uh, yeah. A very tasty ballast. Yeah. Uh, did he have any trouble getting a balloon across the channel? Uh, well, it would have been a perfect crossing, but for one thing. What was that? He never got the balloon off the ground. <laughs> Why not? He just couldn't bring himself to throw that ballast overboard. <laughs> Well, with a wonderful beer like that, you can hardly blame the guy. But uh, tell me, Finnegan, uh, didn't that balloon ever get up in the air? Oh, yeah, one time, much. My uncle took the black out of the balloon, and it sailed way up in the air. 5,000 feet, 10,000, 20,000, 40,000, 50,000, 40,000. Back to 40,000? Air pocket. <laughs> yeah. And then up to 50,000 feet, 100,000 feet. Wait a minute, Finnegan. Nobody could live at 100,000 feet. Uh, the very words my uncle said as he sat there on the ground sipping his glass. <laughs> you know, your uncle was a very smart guy. <laughs> well, I'm back. You're back, Slimp, huh? Uh, well, uh, tell me, where's me helium Hey, uh, look, Arch, we hit a little snag here. The Army's getting a little sticky about their airplanes. Yeah, huh? We'll have to clear this deal through Washington. <laughs> Who in Washington? Come here, Arch. Nobody listening? No. Can I trust you? Thank you. The man I'm talking about is you-know-who. No, kidding. You know who? Arch, please don't mention names. <laughs> yes, sir, we're taking this right up to the top. Give me the phone. Here you are, Slim. Thanks. Hello. Hello, operator. Washington, D.C., please. Hello, Arch. 
This is slip. Holy cat, Trigby, Lee himself. Hey, look, Dean, I got something for you to clear through, uh, you know who. Yeah, a buddy of mine wants to buy a helicopter. Yeah, something in the 10 to $15 bracket. In the bag world, Dean. Well, uh, give my regards to the gang on Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, by the way, uh, tell Harry I'm still trying to get that Spike Jones record of the Missouri Walk, will you? (laughs) So long, Dean. Ah, you're all set. You got yourself an airplane. Oh, gee, thanks. Boy, I can hardly wait till I take me face spin in that helium tank. Your face spin? Just a minute, I... You won't be able to take that plane up in the air. Why not? No propeller. <laughs> what? Arch, did you ever hear of anybody buying an airplane with a propeller for fourteen dollars? No. Well, let's be reasonable. <laughs> okay. How much more for the propeller? One dollar. <laughs> I ain't got a dollar. All I got is this uh, lucky piece here, slip if you're willing to take it. It's just, just a Chinese coin. Chinese coin. Uh, uh, what's it worth? 200,000 yen. What's that in American money? Half a buck. <laughs> well, uh, let's see what it says here in the catalog. Let's see. Helicopter, $14. Helicopter landing gear, $12. Oh, here it is. Helicopter propeller, 200,000 yen. <laughs> I was right on a button, huh? Yeah, this is your lucky day, Art. And now that I got the final okay from you-know-who, I'll arrange immediate delivery. And here's your official handbook of flying instructions with the personal autograph of Gregory Peck. The greatest flyer of them all. Well, so long, Art. See you in the cockpit. So long, Flip. <laughs> Boy, Eddie, you know, this is wonderful. I can see myself already. Whizzing across the continent, transatlantic flights across the Pacific. Can you imagine it? Breakfast in Duffy's Tavern. Two hours later, lunch at the Miami Biltmore in Chicago. <laughs> Ten hours later, supper at the Hollywood Bowl. Well, what held you up between Chicago and Hollywood? Well, I had to stop. I needed gas. Not if you had breakfast at Duffy's Tavern. I don't see the connection. Well, uh, that's we're all set. Oh, Slip, hey, I forgot to ask you, where am I going to keep this helium copter? In a hangar, of course. A hangar? Where am I going to get a hangar? Well, uh, don't you know anybody that uh, might sell you one? Oh. Slip, uh, hey, maybe you could, huh? Uh, don't you think this is carrying friendship a little too far? Yeah. Although it just so happens I do have a few hangers in stock. You do? Yes. Look, could you, could you spare me just one? Well, uh... You know, just for old time's sake. Oh, what's the use, Art? You always get around me. <laughs> I'm too soft-hearted for my own good. Uh, how much do you got left? Well, I'm broke, dear. You know, you took me last 14 bucks. Well, that was your money. How about the cash register? Flip, are you suggesting arson? <laughs> That's Duffy's money. So what? An airplane hanger right here on his roof will mean more business to Duffy, won't it? <laughs> hello? Duffy's Tavern. Eddie, the ground crew speaking. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Duffy. 
Uh, Mr. Archie, you mean Archie the pilot? He's busy dipping his wings in the cash register. <laughs> By the way, uh, <clears throat> how much is this hanging? Right? Well, let's see the catalog here. List price, June, it's $7. Well, that's okay. I got $10 here. Oh. <laughs> well, that's June. Let's see. July, $8. August, $9. Uh, Arch, what month is this? September. That'll make it even $10. <laughs> yes, sir. And to show you what a good fellow I am, with the hanger, I'm going to throw in a wind sock. Well, thanks, Slip. I, I wear a size 12. <laughs> I'll make a note of that. Well, Arch, one more meeting with our contact, you know who, and we'll have you up in the air. I'll be right back with the plan. Hey, Arch, what's two bucks? Well, okay, Arch, and here's your wings. You know who insisted that I give them to you at the wholesale price. Gee. Yeah. Now, Arch, you're all set. I'll be right back with the plane. Hey, Arch, slip. Two and a quarter. <laughs> and here you are, Arch. Your genuine never leak parachute. Together with a box of emergency tire patches. Gee. Well, Arch, it looks like you're all set. I'll be right back with the plane. Seventy-five, eighty-five, ninety cents. <laughs> Here it is, slip. Okay, Arch, and here's your non-skid white wall retractable landing gear. <laughs> Gee, well, slip. When do I get me plane? Yep, yep. Just as soon as I get final clearance from uh, you know who. <laughs> Slip. It's empty. <laughs> empty, huh? Well, uh, never mind that, I, I got great news for you. Congratulations. For what? I've just been in conference with the you-know-who, and you-know-what? <laughs> who? I mean, what? <laughs> Hold on to your hat, kid. He's coming down here tonight to install the hangar in places. In places? What an honor, huh? Exactly. And naturally, before he puts in the hangar, he'll want to look over your pilot's license. Your pilot's license? Yeah, that's just a formality, of course. Look, I ain't got no pilot's license. No pilot's license? No. This is a fine time to tell me that. Is it serious? Oh, what have we got ourselves into? Do you know what the fine is for operating a plane in a hangar without a license? How much? $29.15. Look, this is terrible. Can't, can't you fix it with the you-know-who? Well, now, look, that depends. But where am I going to get $29.15? Uh, let me see. How about the dough I gave you for the plane and the hangar and the parachute and stuff? How much was that? $29.15. By George, that's quick thinking, Arch. <laughs> I'll take it right over to you-know-who. So long, little pal. So long, Slip. And thanks a million. Gee, Eddie, I, I, I don't know what I'd do without the old pal Slippery. Say, Archie, 
Oh, hello, Officer Clancy. You look kind of tired. What you been doing? I've been looking for a swindler who's been operating on 3rd Avenue. Oh, yeah? What's his name? You know who. Five is two. Carry the three Z's and add four. What you doing, Miss Duffy? I'm subtracting twenty nine fifteen from your weekly salary. What's so tough about that? Did you ever try to subtract twenty nine dollars and fifteen cents from fifteen dollars? <laughs> and all because you had that crazy idea about being a great flyer. Yeah, and I didn't even come close. Well, don't feel too bad. After all, you did succeed in making an ace of yourself. Don't try to cheer me up, Miss Duffy. What really burns me up is that I had my heart set on taking a plane trip to Milwaukee. Well, maybe you can't go to Milwaukee, but we can bring Milwaukee to you. How do you mean? Here, have a black spear. Ah. Thanks, Miss Duffy. You know, I... I guess you could travel everywhere and never find a better or more refreshing beard than black. <laughs> right you are, Archie. So right that if you took a palate preference poll of the people in Milwaukee or in the state of Wisconsin, you'd find the majority, and I mean the great majority, would agree with you. Yes, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the premium beer capital of America, the brewing center of the USA, the home of our finest beers, black. B-L-A-T-Z is the largest selling beer and by a great and growing margin. Friends, you don't have to come from Milwaukee to appreciate Black. Try Black tomorrow. Compare it with any beer at any price. Your own good taste will tell you what folks in Milwaukee have known for almost 100 years. That Black, B-L-A-T-Z, Black is Milwaukee's Finest beer. I'm from Milwaukee and I ought to know It's the same old story wherever you go This is the tune you will always hear Milwaukee's finest beer. Be sure to listen next week at the same time to Duffy's Tavern, transcribed over most of these same stations. Thank you for listening. Thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.